What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods, and we are back with another two-minute drill. March 5th, it is finally Friday, guys, so hopefully y'all had a good week, man. Going into the weekend, we got some college football news. We missed yesterday, man. We had some te- technical difficulties. My Wi-Fi was out pretty much all day. Shout out to AT&T for that. Getting it fixed today so I can bring y'all another two-minute drill episode now. We got two pretty big storylines today, man. Some of the more recent news in college football, but let's go ahead, head out west to the Pac-12, and they finally dropped their 2021 schedule. And it's only March, I get it. It's March. It's March 5th, and the Pac-12, you know, it's a little bit of excitement now, man. They dropped the schedule, allows us to kind of preview what to expect this coming fall. And it gives the media, people like myself, a little bit more to analyze and discuss with you guys. So, and I think on the flip side too, it's also kind of a blessing to see this after the fiasco we saw last season and all the uncertainty surrounding, you know, this, this, this season in general with COVID and everything we got through last season. We're headed into a semi-normal season, I feel like. Alabama, Texas, some of these other schools are saying we're going to try to do full capacity and that the vaccine is going out. So that's exciting, exciting news. And I think I speak for everyone. If you're listening to this podcast, you would love to see a college football season this upcoming fall that looks as normal as we could imagine it just a few years ago. And You know, my biggest takeaway here for this Pac-12 schedule, just looking at everyone's games, when they're played, all this, the Pac-12 has had kind of an identity crisis, a a respect issue in terms of national media, other conferences, fans, everyone's saying the Pac-12 doesn't even deserve a playoff spot. They're They're the Power Five conference that people probably respect the least, or at least that's how it is down in SEC country and even some people in ACC country. Well, they have the opportunity to change that narrative extremely, extremely fast. Week one, guys, UCLA, LSU out there in L.A., going to be one of the best games of the season, man. You have Coach O looking to rebound from a historically bad year for LSU last year. Then you got Chip Kelly. He's been looking for a breakout season, a game to kind of define his time at UCLA. This is it. LSU, UCLA, week one is going to be one you do not want to miss. And in terms of another week one game, Kansas State versus Stanford in Arlington, Texas, pretty much an away game. We've seen this year after year. Oregon going down to Texas to face Auburn. USC and Bama were supposed to be there, I believe, this past year until COVID hit. Well, we got K-State. We got Stanford, and Stanford gets a chance to beat a up-and-coming Big 12 team. A lot of people think K-State, fully healthy with Skyler Thompson, the quarterback, can make a run for the Big 12. So showing that Stanford is somewhat comparable to the you know the four, fifth, sixth best team in the Big 12 is a huge step in Big 12 country. It's going to be on the national stage, man. This is a, these two games are huge in terms of what the Pac-12's perception is going to be going through 2021. Is USC and Oregon going to get some respect if they go on runs? You probably can even throw Washington in there. Washington always kind of has that top 25 potential. Week two, this is where the perception can take a huge leap. Oregon traveling to Columbus to face Ohio State. Washington headed to the big house to face Michigan. These two games are as close to must-wins. 
for the Pac-12 as possible. If they both travel over there and they neither and neither of them win, that's going to look real, real bad on the Pac-12. Everyone's going to say, you see, they can't compete with the best of anybody's conference. Oregon took a huge hit losing to Auburn. And they cannot have that. And Washington's definitely got to beat Michigan. I think a loss to Michigan would hurt the Pac-12 more than anything because then everyone's going to say, oh, it's Michigan. Do you see Michigan is not even going to compete for the Big Ten? And, and, and your probably third best team of the conference can't beat them. If Oregon upsets Ohio State, which would be one of the biggest upsets of the season, we are going to see a huge shift in narrative. That means Oregon USC are going to have realistic shots at the college football playoff, which personally I think they already have. But is this going to solidify them as huge contenders in the in the country this next year? And we have some honorable mentions, man. Minnesota Colorado is going to be a huge game. Colorado is trying to establish itself. Had a decent run last year. Minnesota looking to bounce back from a bad year. That's a huge game. USC Notre Dame, always a big one. I just had to throw that one in there. And then an interesting kind of maybe off-the-grid one is Cal TCU. These are two middle-of-the-pack teams looking to make a statement early. I think this game is going to be one that you're probably going to want to watch, even though it doesn't. it might not have the, I guess, national implication, national name recognition that some of these other ones have. And in terms of conference games, I think there's a few games you need to look for that could have huge implications for who takes the Pac-12 this year and even the college football playoff, depending on how they work out. Herm Edwards has been building a contender down there in Tempe. And Utah, Arizona State, Week 7, Arizona State, USC, Week 11 are two huge games that's really going to determine one is Utah back after having a down year where they lost a lot of people? They're returning a lot of people this year. Can they bounce back? Is Arizona State arrived? Can they beat two of the biggest contenders in that South Division? And then three is USC for real. If USC can get past Arizona State, I think they could have they could pretty much walk into the Pac-12 championship. And then another one, Week Ten, Oregon, Washington. That is going to be a just an amazing game. Can Oregon figure out their quarterback situation? And can Washington bounce back after kind of, I mean, a year where they made a Pac-12 championship run, had COVID, had to opt out. They really didn't get the national recognition I thought they deserved as a team. They have a lot of people coming back. That Washington team is going to be much, much improved. So that really could determine who gets to the Pac-12 championship in the other division. If you listen to this podcast, you know I always preach parody of college football and, and, and how I preach about how average fans, biased fans, and national media heads have this narrative that college football is run by a select few. There's no parody. It's the same team, yada, yada, yada. But this this isn't true. There are so many teams that have the potential to do something special, and I think we need to bring attention to it. That's why I strive on this podcast to talk about so many different teams. And I think the Pac-12 this year is going to make a realistic run to the playoffs. And they really could have Oregon and USC make runs at top 10 teams this year if Oregon's quarterback situation works itself out like it did last year when they made that Pac-12 championship run. Replacing Justin Herbert is no is no easy task, but I think they got two great candidates to do it. Mario Cristobal has shown you can never underestimate him as a coach. And I think the Oregon Ducks are going to make a run. USC with Keaton in his third year is going to take a giant step forward that he got. He has so many 
targets that are going to be in that offense now. Can they figure out the run game? Can they figure out some defensive pass rush? Can they figure out some offensive line stuff? There's questions surrounding, but there's questions surrounding everybody at this point. So this is why I wanted to talk about this Pac-12 schedule. And then we're going to end the show here, guys. We're trying to stay on on time. I'm like this little time crunch is so hard for me to keep it under 15 minutes for y'all. But we have a huge transfer. Big Cat Bryant, Auburn, former Auburn defensive end, transfers to UCF to join his coach, Gus Malzahn, down there in Orlando. Gus Malzahn hired as the UCF head coach uh, around last month. And he really has not stopped making waves down in Orlando just based on his prowess on the recruiting trail in the transfer portal. He, I mean, pull it from Auburn left and right, man. Pull it from the SEC. Four-star former Auburn running back, Mark Anthony Richards, who never really found a role now that Tank Bigsby broke out at Auburn. He's headed to Orlando. This this kid's been compared to Carrion Johnson, who now is a running back for the Detroit Lions, has had a very successful career. He was second-round pick. Then four-star former Auburn wide receiver Nate Craig Myers, which never really found his role due to the lack of downfield passing that Auburn showed at times. And so he's going to head down to Orlando and try to shore up that receiving core that's losing some big pieces this year. Then also three-star former Tennessee wide receiver Brandon Johnson's headed down there. That's also a huge pickup. So he's shoring up his offense getting players that he thinks are going to fit his scheme and make him immediately successful down there in Orlando. And now the whole point of this storyline, man, their biggest impact commitment thus far, Big Cat Bryant, former, I believe he's a top 100 prospect. He's going to be immediately eligible for this season. He never really found his rhythm. He, he, he showed flashes at times, but was stuck behind Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown very early in his career. He overtook that starting DM position these past two years, but he failed to be a consistent edge threat. Like I said, he showed flashes to Oregon game, had like the 98-yard fumble recovery, had a big interception against LSU this year off a tip pass. The kid has so much potential. It's just like he couldn't put it together for 12, 13 games. 56 total tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, 10 sacks, three picks, a touchdown. All this over four years, 48 games. Of course, he started two, but... They could be so much better. Those should be his stats in one year, if you're asking me. That's how talented this kid is. He's extremely athletic, quick, he's lean, he can bend, and I think he just failed to overpower some of the more physical, big offensive tackles you see in the SEC. When you're going up against people like Alex Leatherwood, very hard to make an impact consistently through the year, which is why people you see like Derek Brown are so special in the SEC and why he's a top 10 pick in the NFL. I think Big Cat can make major, major waves in the AAC this year because he's so athletic, because he has four years of SEC experience. It's going to be a big shift down in terms of the type of offensive lineman he faces on a week-in, week-out basis. He'll still face very good offensive lines against people like Cincinnati, Memphis, Tulsa. I mean, there's going to be some talented guys there, but it's not going to be the Alabamas, the LSU, the Georgias that you saw when you played at Auburn, the Texas A&Ms. I think Malzahn knows Big Cat has more potential. He would love to see him finally live up to his lofty expectations. I'm thinking Malzahn would love to see 15-plus tackles for loss, a 10-sack season would be amazing. He can get over eight. That would be an excellent season for Big Cat. And I, th- I think he could do it. 
And my final takeaway here before we wrap this episode up, guys, is Malzahn is making it clear that this is going to be his redemption. This is his redemption project. It's time to show that he's he can do it his way. He showed it in 2013, taking off into the national championship, but then boosters got in his ear. Boosters were in the locker room, pulling strings, pulling strings, putting pressure, putting pressure. He's going all out for success down at Orlando. He knows these guys that maybe didn't work out at Auburn for whatever it is, can work in his scheme when he has all the control down in Orlando. You know the AD down there is not going to get in his way just like he did it in Arkansas State. He's going to call his plays. He's going to get the players that he thinks fits his system. He's not going to look for any approval from boosters or anything like that like he did at Auburn. He's not going to let boosters into the locker room or have the influence like they did at Auburn. I love this pickup for the Black Knights, and this could improve a defense that was mediocre at best at times. And so, I, and it struggled at recent seasons. Let's be honest. They should have won more games than they did. The defensive collapses at times have really hurt them because that offense is just absolutely outrageously amazing. And I think this was a very big pickup for the Black Knights. And I'm going to give it a B plus. In terms of potential, it could be an A. But until Big Cat shows me that he's not just a guy who uh, – he's not just a what-if guy where you're like, man, he has so much potential. What if he did this? What if this? What if that? What if this? It doesn't matter. I need to see it if it's going to be an A. So we're going to give it a B-plus just based on potential alone. Probably closer to a B-minus if he doesn't live up. Maybe a C-plus. But I think Big Cat can make waves. I think UCF needs that go-to pass rusher on third, four, you know, occasionally fourth downs that can get after the quarterback, force some bad passes, get some sacks, maybe force to force the quarterbacks in some turnovers and give this great UCF, this great talented UCF offense some chances to put up points. And because once UCF gets rolling, it's hard to beat them in the AAC. And Gus Malzahn wants to bring an AAC championship to UCF. More than ever, and if he does in his first year, man, over teams like Cincinnati, Memphis that are also loaded, it's going to be a huge statement to the country that Gus Malzahn is back, and so were the UCF Knights. And, you know, guys, that is our episode right now, and, you know, we're going to stay up on all this recruiting news, transfer news, so let me know what you think about Big Cat Bryant's transfer to UCF. What grade would you give it? What do you think? How do you think it'll fit in the culture down there? And the Pac-12 schedule, man, let me know what games y'all are most looking forward to, who you guys think could possibly win the Pac-12 as of March. We'll get some official predictions later on in the year. But, guys, y'all know what to do, man. Subscribe to our YouTube channel right now while you're here watching this. Go ahead, click the notification bell in the top right so you're notified anytime we drop a new video, interview, normal episode, two-minute drill, all that. Two-minute drill. Monday through Friday on our YouTube channel. Check it out every single day. This one will be going up on all podcast streaming platforms so we don't have a formal interview. We have some big-name schools that are getting released next week, man. Penn State, Michigan State, and, and there's there's even more, man. We got a bunch of interviews coming next, next week and even more the next week. Big 10 and 31 Days is rolling, so make sure to go back right now and check out if you missed any of the episodes from this week. And guys... Hope y'all have a good weekend, but for right now, for myself, the Blue Bloods, the two-minute drill, we are out.